0: Today I want to share a sermon that I have to confess, and and I believe this may be true about many of my previous sermons. This is probably going to uh, turn into a series at some point. So in the next couple years, be on the lookout. If I have preached a sermon um, in the last two years, you're probably going to hear a series about it at some point because I've just been preaching what's on my heart, stuff that the Lord's done inside of me, Um, and, and I've just laid it before the Lord and said, Lord, what do you want me to preach on? And so it's been a lot of fun, um, doing sermons and I'm really grateful to Mike for the way that he's allowed me to fill the pulpit, learn, grow, um, have a couple of duds, um, at least in my opinion. And, uh, it's been fun. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. This is my first time, if you didn't know, going back to back, back to back weeks. So we'll, we will see how this goes, but I'm excited. If you would, open your Bibles with me, and if you've got your phone, I uh, recommend you first put on Do Not Disturb, so you don't see those text messages coming in, and then open your Bible app if you'd like to, if you don't have your Bible. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 20, that's where we're going to begin. Matthew chapter 20, I'll give you a minute to get there. This is a parable that Jesus told, um... And Jesus begins a few parables with this phrase, and these are really important parables that give us more than just basic truths. I I think they give us kingdom truths, and when I say kingdom, I mean the kingdom of God. Jesus begins this parable with the phrase in Matthew chapter 20, for the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. So what Jesus is trying to illustrate is what how God operates, how his kingdom works. And when we say yes to Jesus, he comes, Holy Spirit fills us. Guess what? In that moment, you're a part of the kingdom. So this is really important to understand how the kingdom of God functions, both in our lives and in the world around us and in the world to come, on the other side of our crossover into eternity. So I just want to read this parable together and, uh, and allow it to enlighten our hearts and our souls. So, beginning in verse 1. Verse 1, excuse me. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. I apologize, I'm already going to uh, interject here. Jesus used many, many times the illustration of a vineyard, of a vine dresser, alright? So this is this is a common analogy that Jesus uses. In verse 2 When he found these laborers, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, so that was their wage, and that was about a day's wages in this time, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour, the the owner of the vineyard. The third hour in the day, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. So he doesn't say their wage. He just says, whatever a fair wage is, I'll give it to you. You're still here. It's a few hours into the day. I know you need work. Go into the vineyard. I'll give you a fair wage. So they went. And and, um, again, he went out about the sixth hour in the day. So think about it. We're getting through the work day. So six hours into the day, he, he goes out again. And the ninth hour. And he did the same. And even about the 11th hour, and I should have framed this, this is a 12-hour workday. About the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? And they said to him, because no one hired us. So he said to them, then go into the vineyard too. And when they got to the end of the workday, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group that came in. So those people who got hired uh, with only an hour left in the day, beginning with the last group to the first. So when those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. Think about that. Each of them received a day's wages. And when those hired first came, they worked all day, they thought they would receive more. They see, okay, these guys in front of us who only worked an hour, they got a denarius, a full day's wage, and they're kind of rubbing their hands, all right, this is going to be a good payday. But the landowner also gave them a denarius. And when they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. But he answered them and said to them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did we not? Agree, did you not agree with me for one denarius? Take what is yours and go, but I wish to give to the last man the same as to you. And then the landowner goes on, and this is a really key verse in this story. He says, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? Ponder that verse. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? And Jesus finishes with this beautiful statement and a beautiful truth about the kingdom of God. So the last shall be first and the first last. So we see this story. I'll just summarize it one more time. I know it's repetitive. So this landowner has a vineyard. And and in this day, there were a lot of day laborers that you could just go to the market. They'd be standing around. They're waiting for somebody to just hire them for that day. So he goes, beginning of the day, hires some guys. He said, here's your wage, a denarius. It's a fair wage. They come in and work. Throughout the day, he goes five times back, different times, pulls in more people to work, they all work different amounts of time. End of the day he pays them all the same. And the guys who work all day, like I would suggest you and I would, would be, they were envious of this. They had envy arise in their heart and some resentment arise towards both the landowner and these other workers. They, they said, uh, we, we bore the work in the scorching sun all day long and you're going to pay them the same as us? But this is the point about the kingdom of God that I think is so important that Jesus is trying to make. When, when the landowner says this, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is, it, or is your eye envious because I am generous? So if you imagine this story, the landowner, that's God. The laborers, that's us. Does that make sense? So I really want to focus in on this word that Jesus uses in verse 15. And the word is envy. Can everyone say together, envy? Envy. Now, in in preparation for this, as I shared earlier, I've really been preaching sermons that are on my heart. And uh, uh, about a year and a half ago, my mom, my wonderful mom, who you guys are all going to get to see and meet next week, and I'm really excited about that, she gave me a book. All right, And this book is called Envy, The Enemy Within by Bob Sorge. And so I just want to share that I'm going to teach some truths and I'm going to rip Bob Sorge off all day today. For the next uh, few minutes, I'm just going to rip a lot of stuff out of this book. Um, and just let, just let you know that a lot of this stuff is not original. So if it's not a good sermon, I guess I'll send an email to Bob. But um, my mom gave me this book about a year ago. Highly recommend it. Um, and like a good son, when she gave me the book, um, I put it on my bookshelf for about a year. Maybe more. And earlier this year, I had a day that I was just going to go off by myself, um, be alone for about 24 hours. And for some reason, I, just, was, I was just on my way out the door, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to take that book with me. And I'll maybe read it. Um, so I was just off by myself for a day. And just doing a little personal retreat of sorts, just spending time with the Lord. And I just I just felt prompted to pick up this book and read it. And, and I just want to share, if you're interested in reading it, it's a, it's a cheap book and it's a really easy read. I'm a slow reader and I read that thing in probably five to six hours, got through the whole book. And man, it really impacted my life. And so I want to share some truths from this book about envy that I think Jesus is trying to point towards and trying to port, point his disciples and us towards in Matthew chapter 20. And Bob gives this, uh, Bob Sorge gives this definition of the word envy in his book that has been so clear and helpful to me because I've often, often been confused on what the difference between envy, jealousy, what all that is. And so he defined this really well, and, and I want to share this definition. Envy is the pain that we feel over someone else's success. Envy is the pain that we feel over someone else's success. And if it's all right, I want to teach you a few truths about envy and a few um, important facts about envy that Bob shares that really impacted me. So there are just four important facts about envy that I want to share with you. Number one, envy is the most common problem that nobody has. Most of us, when you hear that word envy, I imagine already some of you in your mind, and it's okay, have said, you know, envy, I don't really know how that really relates to me. I don't really see that inside of, my, inside of myself. Um, I may change your mind today. I may try. Number two, and, and I'm going to clarify these a little more later. This one's not going to make sense right away. But envy is an issue of the brothers. Think about the definition. Envy is the pain you feel over someone else's success. Anyone ever had a brother that has succeeded and inside of you, you've had a little resentment that said, why not me? That's a little sign of envy. Envy is an issue of the brothers. The great illustrations in scripture, Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, if you know those stories. Third truth, third fact about envy, envy is a hider. I pulled this quote out of uh, this book, And it it, uh, was fascinating to me. Bob says that envy clothes itself in the cloak of noble passion. Envy never wants to be discovered. So it generates a noble zeal that deflects all eyes onto a secondary issue. See, envy is a little bit like anger. You may not realize it's inside of you until an occasion brings it out. Does anyone resonate with that? You don't have to raise your hands. You you may not realize, hey, I've got anger inside of me until there's an occasion, something goes wrong. It all of a sudden, whoa, that's where did that come from? Envy is like that. When an occasion arises, it it pulls out, but it likes to hide. It likes to hide in under the cloak of noble passion, noble zeal, things that we that we start to believe are good. And I'll speak more of that later. And and the fourth fact that Bob port points out that's really important. Envy begins small, but it ends big. Uh, I can't think of another verse that defines this better than James 3. James 3, 14-17 says this, But if you have bitter jealousy, or that word is the same Greek word as envy, if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. Whoa. he says this. For where jealousy, or same word, envy, where jealousy or envy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Wow, James, you really threw it all in one bucket there. For where envy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, and without hypocrisy. So those are the four four big truths about envy. So keep those in mind. We're going to touch on each each of them. Uh, Envy number one, most common problem. Nobody has it, though. Number two, it's an issue of the brothers. Number three, it's a hider. Envy likes to hide. And number four, envy begins small, but ends big. Think about what James said. From it comes every evil thing. So that's, that brings me over to my illustration this morning. And I really wrestled with how can I demonstrate this well? Because I can say all that. That sounds great. What does it mean? What does envy look like? And I apologize to people over here. I'm getting further away from you. But I thought, what better way to illustrate this than a planter, all right? And, and a few truths that are going on just right here in this scene, I want to point to. So first, I want you to think about, um, and I'll think about it this way. Here's Matt, and here's my brother, all right? Now, envy. um, When envy arises, we often don't have envy towards people that are out of our sphere. Think about it. Envy is an issue of the brothers. Or ladies, you're not off the hook. An issue of the sisters. And uh, usually it's when you're in the same sphere of influence. Think about it this way. I'm coming in as a pastor. Getting started next week. I'm excited. I am not likely to ever envy Billy Graham. I probably won't envy that guy as high lofty. The impact is beyond measure. I doubt I will ever find uh, the impact of my ministry anywhere near Billy Graham. So I'm probably not going to hold any resentment inside of me. You know, it's probably not going to happen. But, and I'm I'm going to name drop here, I'm sorry. Um, if this is me, imagine over here, this is uh, Pastor Ryan down at Scandia e And we're in the same potter, uh, we're in the same pot, I'm sorry, potter, planter, potter. Uh, we're in the same planter, this community, going after the same people, same sphere of influence. And now, envy, to identify it for me, and I'll, and I'll help you see where it might be in you soon, envy, it looks like when, you know, when Ryan's ministry, let's say it just takes off. Scandia, Free. all of a sudden, they've got 600 people coming to church every Sunday and I'm over here and and I'm leading victory and victory stays the same. Let's say some of you guys leave and go to Scandia (laughs) all of a sudden there's success for my brother. What's happening in my heart? What's happening in my heart? We're in the same planter. We're sharing the same soil. What's happening in my heart? Now when Ryan is struggling I probably am not going to have envy in my heart. You know, th- I'm not, I'm not going against, you know, the value of helping people who are hurting. It's so important. But I've never been envious or jealous of someone who's going through something really hard. Have you ever thought about that? I've just never envied someone struggling. But, but when my brother is succeeding, someone that's in the same sphere of influence, All of a sudden, something starts rising up inside of me, and it's this question. Why not me? You're like a, you're like a, the laborer in the vineyard. Why did he get that wage when he did less than me? So this is where envy begins, right? That first thought, that first question. Why not me? Why did he get something better? Why did my coworker get that promotion and not me? Why did that volunteer get asked to to lead uh, the, the kids' classrooms? And, and they never asked me. Don't they know I've been serving here for years and years? Doesn't my boss know that I've been coming in 15 minutes early to work every day, leaving 30 minutes late, and all of a sudden this this guy who came in, this guy or gal who came in in the last two years, I've been here for 15 years, this guy came in and impressed the boss, and now a promotion came up and he gets it? The, the question of envy always begins with, why not me? Why not me? And that was the question in the hearts of the laborers in the vineyards. And, and a few things can start coming out of that question. That's where it begins, and I want to stay stay on that um, thought. That's where it begins. Why not me? So when we have the thought, "Why not me?" Envy in that moment is the most easy to identify when that comes up. Has anyone ever been bothered by the pain that you felt when someone else succeeded? Anyone else? Wow, this is a good group of people. You guys have never felt pain over someone else's success. Yeah, it's a it's a real thing. And, and in that moment, sometimes I'm like, ooh, that's a nasty feeling. Uh, why is that inside of me? But right away, envy tries to hide. It's going to start trying to hide right then, all right? And it can look like a few things. Uh, the first thing uh, that I want to point out that envy looks like, on the outside and on the inside, is this nasty word, I call it gossip. Gossip, envy breeds gossip. All right, and, and gossip is like this. If I pull out a few toys that I have here, and I'm gonna have to put a glove on. Don't worry, nothing's gonna get too crazy here. I, I went outside last night, and I, I grabbed a pot that had some um, had some flowers in it, and I haven't watered these flowers very well. I don't have a green thumb. These probably aren't gonna make it very long unless someone wants to take them home. Um, But what I am really good at growing is weeds. Really good at growing weeds. So I went last night, and there were dead flowers in here, so I dumped those, right? And I I threw some weeds in, and boy, did they survive well to this morning. And so when we gossip, gossip begins with this cloak that covers envy called concern. Now, has, has anyone ever seen someone in your sphere, get a promotion, and all of a sudden, you have these concerns come to mind, right? And maybe it's, you know, hey, uh, this coworker of mine, um, you know, I don't think my boss has seen, they've been coming to work 15 minutes late for the last three weeks. Yeah, and I'm just concerned when they get promoted to a place of authority, what that's gonna what's that's gonna show to the rest of the company? Is that really the standard we want? Or man, maybe my boss hasn't seen um that this person uh they lack some maturity in their interpersonal uh interpersonal communication. You know, they they're not very good public speakers. Doesn't my boss know that in this role they're gonna need to do some public speaking? And and it keeps going, right? It keeps going to where, you know, I just I'm concerned. And so then we go to maybe our spouse and we say, you know, honey, my, my coworker got this promotion. I have some concerns. I have some concerns, right? And, and it grows from there. Maybe we, maybe we share with a coworker, you know, there, there are some things I'm concerned about in here. And, and we start undercutting people's character, start undercutting their maturity. And while we're doing it, here's what gossip does. I'm over here, but Gossip just takes a little weed and it puts it in the ground i just i'm concerned about what that might mean and and we may share it if we're a volunteer at victory, which we 're so grateful you are by the way i'm not ripping on volunteers today, but I've done some of this all right. I am in this boat we We may go share with the pastor you know did did you know about this area of sin they have in their life have you Have you seen this right? And, and we start kind of planting some weeds around. That's what gossip does. It, 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 it infuses itself with some seeds that get into the soil. And it really impacts this person in this sphere. Now I know that just talking about coworkers, volunteers, I haven't covered everyone. So I hope you can imagine um, what those weeds might be. What might those weeds be in your life? The problem with gossip is gossip always, I know this is a big statement. Gossip always leads to lies. They may be external lies that you don't say, but the next person might say them. They may be, they may not be external, but they just may be some lies that I start to believe about someone in my own heart. Lies that Ah, they're, they're not good enough. You know, I just don't think they can do it. And, and gossip itself and other things lead to this, this second ugly side of envy. And, and the word that best describes this is resentment. And resentment is internal. And, and what resentment does is it gets inside of us and we start having these thoughts that say, you know, since they're, since they're not quite qualified for that, Since they're not quite ready for that, since I've seen some error in it and I have some concerns, I think I, I think I might along the way just withhold some support. I think I may not speak highly of them anymore, even though they were my friend, they were my buddy. You know, if you look at at me and Pastor Ryan, I've got great respect for Pastor Ryan, right? But if Ryan starts doing well, it's going to be easy for me to start saying, you know, they've got some... They've got some real concerns in their church. I've seen some of the volunteers that work there and what they do throughout the week, right? And and all of a sudden these things start coming up and and I start thinking to myself, you know, maybe Ryan is being overpromoted. And and I may just pull back from him a little bit and, and harbor resentment. And as you guys know, one of the key things that plants need to grow is sunshine, right? And when someone's rocking, it's like there's sunshine on them. But when I go harbor resentment, here's what I do in my heart. I just put some shade over them. Just cover them with a little bit of shade. See if that'll stay there. Right? And, and I put that on them. And, and resentment just keeps growing in my heart. And, and uh, if you're really bold, if you're really bold, gossip and resentment together, it might lead to go even talking to your boss or your leader And you may say, hey, I've got some concerns. Things are, things don't look right here. I'm, I'm seeing things more clearly. Um, I don't think this person is ready. I don't think they're mature enough. And it just grows and grows and grows, right? And, but we're cloaking it. We're cloaking it in, in a noble passion that, hey, I just want to see this company do well. I want to see the church do well. I want to, I want to see the gospel go forth in a good way. And I don't want people spreading the gospel like Pastor Ryan down the street. In a way that's just leading people astray. I want want them to have the real thing, right? Envy starts cloaking itself. Now, here's the problem with this scene. Here's the problem with this scene. I am in the same planter. I am in the same planter. Here's the best way I can think of saying this. When we entertain envy, we are killing our own plant. We're killing our own plant. Even greater importance, when the fruit of envy arises in the church, we're injuring Christ's body. We are all in the same soil working together. I, I get there's some nuances here, right? There are some things in the church that have woo gone left and right, some crazy directions. We gotta watch out for that. Real, real, real concern. And, and and when you look at the man sitting in the front row here today, he has done an incredible job of protecting and shepherding from the wolves, right? But inside of the body, the, the rest of us, man, what happens in our heart when other people are succeeding, whether it's in the church or not, or inside these four walls of these people we're here together with? Man, when we harbor resentment, when we start the gossip train, it damages the same soil we're in. So what do we do? Now I know that's that's painful, it's doom and gloom. I'm talking to myself. There's a reason that this book impacted me so deeply. It's that I found this fruit, these seeds in my heart. They're there. And, and I'm wrestling with them. So, so what do we do? Here are some just some practical things that I've learned that we can do. Number one, when that question Arises. Why not me? Why not me? The first thing to do is repent. The first thing to do when we have that question. Why not me? It's repent. It's, that question is driven by selfish ambition like James talked about. Envy and selfish ambition lead to every evil thing. So when we have that question, why not me? Repent. First to God. God, I lay my, I lay down my selfish ambition. I confess that I just had a seed of envy planted in my heart. I don't want that. Repentance is you're going one direction, you turn around and go the other way. You say to God, I don't want that. Number two, if you've you've been challenged with this, if if this has been a struggle, I encourage you. I've been doing some of this. Confess it to somebody else. Tyler Staten said this, and I love it. He's a pastor out in Portland. Confession is the means to redemption. I encourage you, if if there's if you're struggling with something like this or anything else, confession is the means to redemption. You will be bought back, set free when you confess your sin. and uh, And I also encourage you, get a good habit of confession. Do it again and again. It's like a muscle. It gets stronger as you go. So if you want to be free, confess. Then confess again. Then confess again. Make it a habit. A mentor, close friend... A spouse, some of the strange things I've had to confess to Olivia that made no sense to her, but, but had such a hold on my heart. Uh, it's been freeing. Number two, encourage. If we undo this, encouragement is like when we go to a plant and, and we just pour some water in. Just water it. Just encourage it. Pour life into it. When you see that coworker get that promotion doing well, uh, get, getting that bonus that you thought you were going to get, when you see a volunteer get promoted really operating well and you have that question come up, why not me? Battle that thing with some encouragement. Go to that person and say, hey, I am so proud of you. What an incredible accomplishment. I, I am so happy for you. Keep going. I see these good things in you. You don't have to go speak of your concerns right away. I see these good things in you. Plant some good seeds. Water around them. Number two. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. Number three way to battle envy. Crush gossip. Now I know in a small town, boy, gossip can get going. I get it. We all hear the gossip and it's so tempting to spread it. I just encourage you. Gossip is not Christ-likeness. Crush gossip gossip when you hear it. Now, crushing gossip doesn't mean crushing the friend that told you, right? But but when they share that with you, decide, I'm not going to take that and sow a seed. I'm not going to go put a weed and continue the weeds growing around. You guys know weeds grow fast. Go in there, crush the gossip, pull the weeds out from around the person that's in your circle. And guess what a good byproduct is? You won't have weeds in the planter that you live in. Amen? Amen. Crush gossip. Um, just a, just a reference on this. If, if you would like to hear more about the topic of gossip, we had Gloria Johnson on the Abundant Life podcast. Well, was that, that, that would have been probably four weeks ago. The, the episode is called Your Words Left a Mark. And Gloria did a great job of talking through the impact of gossip. Why gossip is not for the life of a believer. It was a fun discussion. So I do encourage you, man, listen to that. I can't encourage you to listen to that highly enough. Number four. What do we do when we have envy? This is a hard one. This one really puts our, puts our hand to the plow. Serve. Serve. When your, when your coworker gets that promotion, man, go ask them, how can I help you with your workload? What can I do to help you? Serve them. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. This is the gospel, right? Serve. When when you see a volunteer doing really well, getting promoted, we're giving them uh, more stuff on their plate to work on, more people to lead, maybe they become a leader over you, serve them well. Crush the gossip. Encourage them. Serve them well. The, The best example in Scripture that I can find about someone who crushed gossip well was John, I'm sorry, crushed envy well in gossip was John the Baptist. John the Baptist. And you may know John the Baptist. Um, John was a man who came to prepare the way for Jesus. And he was actually Jesus' cousin. And John was a bit of a wild man. He lived in the wilderness for many years. He ate locusts and some weird stuff. And he was an odd guy. If you've seen the chosen, um, I love the portrayal of John the Baptist in there. And John had this popularity that was growing. He was baptizing people. He was preaching, teaching. He loved to go in front of leaders and just confront them. Actually, the way that John eventually died was he went to Herod, like going going to it'd be like going to the governor's office and like in front of the governor, in front of everyone, just calling him out, just ripping him. For his sin. And John was like that kind of brash guy. And so that actually led on to John being beheaded. Which is a sad story. Um, But in in John 3. We see this paradigm come together. Where John's ministry. He's been rocking. People are coming. Crowds are big. But now Jesus' ministry has begun. And all of a sudden. The people that were following um, John. Started following Jesus. It would be like me and Ryan. All of a sudden. Uh, people are following, going over there. They are just rocking over at Scandia Ephraim. And here I'm standing here, and my uh, the people listening to me on Sunday, the, the amount is dwindling. We're losing momentum. And, and John's disciples come to him, and, and, and there's this, you can see this cloak of envy, the, the righteous cloak, um, the noble cloak that comes and covers their envy. In John 3, And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, which they're referring to Jesus, to whom you've testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. What they're saying is, John, your ministry is shrinking. What are you going to do? We've got to keep this ministry going. And John replies to him um, with an analogy. And John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it's been given from heaven. Think about that when it comes to the wage that the workers in the vineyard got. A man can receive nothing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourself are my witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. And then John John says this interesting phrase. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. And John says this incredible verse that I have tried to repeat again and again and again. He must increase, but I must, de- must decrease. Wow, I botched that. He must increase, but I must decrease. When John had this envy test, knock on his door, and, and, and he had this, why not me come? Why not me came into his mind, came into his heart, his response he must increase, I must decrease, and when we take when we take those things, we pour on the encouragement man in our planter and in our friend's planter it 's like just pouring some fertilizer on it 's going to help it do well for times to come you 're not going to see the impact today, probably. sorry, uh, green thumbs I poured way too much on. You're not going to see the impact today, but man, in the long term, it's going to impact your side of the planter. It's going to impact their side of the planter. The kingdom will be built, right? And that's our charge. That's the Great Commission. So in conclusion, no matter where you are in your journey with the Lord, someday he's going to call you to a work that's going to be in the same vineyard as someone else. And they're going to get at least equal pay. And you'll have that test, that envy test come. Why not me? Why didn't I get something better? Why didn't I get the unproportionate grace that they did? Why didn't I get the giftings they did? My question for you this morning, how will you respond when the envy test comes? How will you respond? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. I just thank you for how beautifully Jesus uh, taught his disciples through parables and the way that we get to work through them today. Lord, um, I know, I know, and I've seen it in my own heart, the opportunity for envy to arise for my brothers and for some of their sisters uh, to, to look and say, why not me? Why didn't I get that? Lord, even when it goes through our talents, when it goes to the grace that you pour out, Father, I just ask that when those opportunities of questions come, Lord, would you remind us That we are in the same soil. We're in the same soil. Lord, would you help us to build others up when we see their success, even when it's not our own. Lord, would you help us to encourage, help us to crush gossip and its impact on our lives. Father, I just thank you for this group. I thank you for a victory family that is so devoted to becoming more like you. Lord, we just bless you. We ask it as we go, Lord, you would encourage us. Lord, would we encourage one another through your word, through your Holy Spirit. And would life flow through this family again and again and again. In your name we pray. Amen.